When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. We so often discuss natural processes and features in our aquarium work to the point where you're probably going, oh my God, that's all they talk about. But there's a lot of interesting pieces of information that we can interpret from nature when planning, creating, and operating our aquariums. The idea of replicating natural processes and occurrence in the confines of aquariums by simply setting up the conditions necessary for them to occur is fundamental to our botanical-oriented approach. It goes without saying that there are implications for both the biology and chemistry of the aquatic habitats when leaves and other botanical materials enter them. We've talked about this tons of times, right? But many of these are things that we as hobbyists observe every day in our own aquariums. For example, let's talk about our old friend and occasional nemesis, biofilm. A lab study I came upon found out that when leaves are saturated in water, Biofilm is at its peak when other nutrients like nitrate, phosphate, etc. tested at their lowest limits. Hmm, that's interesting to me because it seems that in our botanical style aquariums, biofilms tend to occur early on when one would assume that these compounds are at their highest concentrations, right? And biofilms are essentially the byproduct of bacterial colonization, meaning that there must be a lot of food for the bacteria at some point if there's a lot of biofilm, right? More questions. Does this imply that biofilm arrive on the scene and peak out really quickly? An indication that there's actually less nutrient in the water? Is the nutrient bound up in the biofilms? And when our fishes and other animals consume them, does this provide a significant source of sustenance for them? Can you have water with exceedingly low nutrient levels while still having an abundant growth of biofilms? Huh. <laughs> oh, and here's another interesting observation. When leaves fall into streams, Field studies have shown that their nitrogen content typically will increase. Now, why is this important? Scientists see this evidence as evidence of microbial colonization, which is correlated by a measured increase in oxygen consumption. This is interesting to me because those rare disasters that we see in our tanks, when we do see them, of course, which fortunately isn't very often at all, are usually caused by the hobbyist adding a really large quantity of leaves all at once to an established tank, resulting in the fishes gasping at the surface, a sign of oxygen depletion. Kind of makes sense, right? Or at least it's something to think about. These are interesting clues about the process of decomposition of leaves, too, when they enter our aquatic ecosystems. They, they have implications for our use of botanicals and the way we manage our aquariums. I think that the simple fact that pH and oxygen tend to go down quickly when leaves are initially submerged in pure water during lab tests gives us an idea of what to expect in our aquariums. A lot of the initial environmental changes in our tanks will happen rather rapidly and then they stabilize over time. Which of course leads me to conclude that the development of sufficient populations of organisms to process the incoming botanical load is really a critical part of the establishment of our botanical style aquariums. Now, fungal populations are equally important in the process of breaking down leaves and botanical materials in water as are higher organisms like insects and crustaceans, which function as shredders. So the shredders, the animals which feed upon the materials that fall into the streams, process this stuff into what scientists call 
fine particulate organic matter. And that's where fungi and microorganisms make use of the leaves and you know, materials, processing them into fine settlements. Did I say settlements? Sediments, sorry. Sometimes I get ahead of myself, don't I? Now, alexonous material, the stuff that comes from outside the ecosystem, can also include dissolved organic matter carried into streams and redistributed by water movement. And the process happens surprisingly quickly, too. In experiments carried out in tropical rainforests in Venezuela, decomposition rates were really fast, with 50% of the leaf mass lost in less than 10 days. That's interesting, but is it tremendously you know, surprising to us botanical-style aquarium people? I mean, we see leaves begin to soften and break down in a matter of just a couple of weeks, with complete breakdown happening typically in a month or so for many leaves. And biofilms, fungi, and algae are still found in our aquariums in significant quantities throughout the process. So what's all this mean? What are the implications for aquariums? I think it means we need to continue to foster the biological diversity of animals in our aquariums, embracing life at all levels, from bacteria to fungi to crustaceans to worms, and ultimately, of course, our fishes, all of which form the basis of a closed ecosystem and perhaps a food web of sorts for our little aquatic microcosms. It's a very interesting concept, a fascinating field for research by aquarists, and we all have the opportunity to participate in this on a most intimate level by simply observing what's happening in our aquariums every day. And facilitating this process, it's remarkably easy. You approach the building an aquarium as if you're creating a biome. You foster the growth and development of a community of organisms at all levels. Allow these organisms to grow and multiply. And finally, just don't edit the growth of biofilms, fungal growths, and detritus. Pretty simple stuff. Requires mental shifts, and these mental shifts require us to embrace these steps and the occurrences which happen as a result. Understanding that botanicals and leaves which we add to our aquariums are not aquascaping set pieces, but rather they're biological facilitators for the closed ecosystems that we're creating is fundamental. These materials are being utilized and assimilated by the organisms which comprise the biome of our aquarium. Therefore, they're transient, ephemeral, not actually permanent. By accepting and embracing these changes and little evolutions, we're helping to create really great functional representations of the compelling wild systems that we love so much. Leaf litter beds in particular tend to evolve the most, as leaves are among the most ephemeral or transient of botanical materials which we use in our aquariums. It's also true in nature. As materials break down or are moved by currents, the structural dynamics of the aquatic features change. We have to adapt a new mindset when aquascaping with leaves even tend not to use the word aquascaping, but when utilizing leaves. That being the so-called scape will evolve on its own and change constantly. Other than our most basic hardscape aspects, driftwood and maybe rocks or whatever, the leaves and stuff like that will not remain exactly where we place them. They move around as they break down or get picked up by the current. Now, to the artistic perfectionist type of Aquarius, this will be maddening. To the aquarist who makes the mental shift and accepts this sort of wabi-sabi idea of things constantly changing, yeah, I'm sort of channeling a mono here, the experience will be fascinating and enjoyable with ever-changing looks that will be far, far more natural than anything we could ever hope to conceive completely by ourselves. It's not something to freak out about. Rather, it's something to celebrate. Life and all of its diversity and beauty still needs a stage upon which to perform, and you're helping to provide it. Even with this remodeling of your aquascape taking place daily, stuff gets moved, stuff gets covered in biofilm, stuff gets covered with detritus, stuff breaks down in our aquariums and in nature. And some people can't fully grasp that. Recently, I had another one of those interesting 
one-sided discussions, actually it was mostly somebody attacking me, uh, with a fanboy of a certain style of aquarium keeping who seemed to take a tremendous amount of pleasure in telling me that our interpretation of nature and our embrace of you know decomposing leaves and biofilms and such is, and I quote, a setback for the hobby of aquascaping, which those of you who know me and my desire to provoke reactions understand that I absolutely loved hearing, right? I mean, that was kind of cool. <laughs> and he also said that it's not possible to capture nature with our approach, which is just an ignorant, almost beyond stupid point of view. I mean, what the fuck does capture nature mean? Like word salad. I was like, come on, dude, really? This is not a style of aquascaping. We've said it a million times here, and we've said it more and loud, more loudly lately. We repeat this theme millions of times a year. Nature is really not always clean and tidy the way we seem to think it is. In fact, most of the time it isn't. If you buy into that head-scratching hobby narrative that every pristine, high-concept concept aquarium is somehow what nature looks like, you're simply fooling yourself. I can't say this often enough. Sure, there are some really clear, sparkly habitats out there in the world, but they represent the exception, really. And quite honestly, I'll go out on a limb and suggest that none of them have tidy rolls of symmetrically trimmed, color-balanced plants or neatly arranged rocks of related size and proportion. This is, a, you know, again, a, a counter-argument directed at a small but vocal and apparently really misinformed crowd, but I can't stress it enough. If you really want to understand the natural aquatic habitats of our fishes, some of you have to get out of that idealized aquascaping mindset for a bit and stop dissing everything that doesn't fit your idea of the way the world should be and just accept the realities, the beautiful realities which nature presents. I'm actually surprised we still get the occasional direct message or email like this, so I occasionally push back a bit. So unfiltered nature, that's what we should, we should shoot for, that's what we should study. Okay, I'm not bragging that our avant-garde love of dirty, often chaotic-looking aquariums makes us cooler than the sterile glass pipe-loving aquascaping crowd. It's not really even a comparison, but typically that crowd is the one that hurls the, the most insults at our approach, so whatever. However, I, this is not about battling people, but it's about changing minds. But I do want everybody to understand the degree that we, you know, to which we love this concept of nature in its most compelling form, and how strongly we feel that we as a global community of hobbyists need to look beyond what's regularly presented to us as a natural aquarium and really give this stuff some thought. We can and should interpret natural aquatic features more literally in our aquariums. Now, not all of nature requires us to make these extreme aesthetic preference shifts in order to love it. Well, maybe not all, but a lot of it. It's a very different type of aesthetic beauty than we're used to. It's elegant, it's a remarkably complex microhabitat which is host to an enormous variety of life forms. And it's a radical departure from our normal interpretation of how a tank should look. It challenges us, not only aesthetically, it challenges us to appreciate the function that, you know, this stuff can provide if we let it. Functional aesthetics, yet again. Our movement, if you will, believes in representing nature as it exists in both form and function without editing the very attributes of randomness and the resulting function that make it so amazing. And it all starts with understanding and facilitating natural processes without editing them to meet some ingrained aesthetic preferences. Can you do that? Can you make that mental shift? I hope so. We'd sure love to have you here. Stay bold. Stay curious. Stay patient. Stay observant. Stay creative. Stay enthralled. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.